High FM Tech Talk with Stephen Ambrose. Stephen Ambrose. Well, good morning, and after all that exciting news, the best part I heard was that our dear Rand has recovered somewhat in the new year and uh, may have a little knock-on effect with some of our gadgets. They may get just a touch cheaper, so all good news from that front. But today we have got a pretty exciting show. We're talking about making it happen in 2019, and joining me in the studio in a little while is Gavin Moffat, who wrote... A really interesting book called Swimming with Sharks. Now, Gavin and I go away back. We met, you know, because of the tech industry. And it's just got some really interesting insights. So tune in around about 11.20. We're going to be talking about, you know, swimming with sharks, what it means. And it's definitely got nothing to do with fish. Although there is quite a sort of deep sea diving and fishing thing going on with this whole book. But anyway, more about that a little bit later. But this is the week of CES. Every January, first week of January, all the tech people, all the tech companies, in fact, anybody who's got anything to do with technology, including all the car companies now, gather in Las Vegas for the annual CES. This year I decided I'm not going, but I've been watching it from afar, and it's been pretty exciting up to now. I must admit I've got massive FOMO. Would like to be wandering the streets and the halls of, of Las Vegas, but it's it's far. It's madly expensive. And truth be told, I don't think that much groundbreaking stuff has happened, but there's a lot of incremental changes, lots of incremental improvements, and confirmation of the big trends we talked about last week. It's all about big data. It's all about 5G connectivity. It's all about smart homes. It's all about smart things. And more and more, it's becoming the overall connected life that we all lead, where your washing machine talks to your tumble dryer, your tumble dryer has a little conversation with your smartphone, Um, the house knows the humidity, you've got little sleep sensors in the beds. Generally, the way that technology has steadily increased its its sort of footprint in our day-to-day lives is pretty incredible. Wearables were the hot thing. Everybody, a couple of years back at CES, wearables, there was a whole hall full of all the latest smartwatches and sports sensors and, and various wearables. And again this year, there was or is still a hall full of that type of stuff. But the difference is that none of these things are now working in isolation. They're all connecting with other companies, heart rate sensors, with medical doctors. Your information is sitting in the cloud everywhere. And one of the first companies that, um, you know, had their, their press conference, though generally Monday being press day this past Monday, um, our friends at LG kicked it off with some really interesting stuff, and we'll talk about that in a few minutes. But one of the other major sort of tech players in the consumer space, certainly a well-known brand in South Africa along with LG, and funny enough, they both come from um, South Korea, and that is Samsung. Samsung kicked off their massive press conference, as usual, with a real, real look into what is happening down the road for them. And again, it was all about accelerating the intelligence or the smart things that we're going to be seeing, this whole buzzword around IoT, the Internet of Things, which simply means lots of sensors, lots of smart technology, talking to other smart sensors and technology. Big, big, big push for 5G. 5G was definitely something that, um, you know, was going to be 2020 and then some, 
Well, I can tell you now, 2019 will be the year that 5G goes mainstream pretty much globally, and even even in South Africa. But we'll talk a little bit more about that um, straight after the, the news. And the other big trend, well, not news after the ad break, but the other big trend that we'll chat about straight after this is the whole thing of machine intelligence, smart machines, and my favorite terminology, which I don't like to use, artificial intelligence or AI. And we'll be back with all that straight after this. Tech Talk with Stephen Ambrose, 11 to 12 p.m., only on 101.9 IFM. Well, just before we get back into all the tech news, well, Samsung announced a whole lot of new platforms which essentially pull all the things we've discussed, the AI, the IoT, the 5G, into stuff that you use every single day. And Samsung are, interestingly enough, a lot of people don't know this, but Samsung actually are one of the companies that are one of the leaders in terms of patents around 5G and connectivity. So they make the equipment, they make the end-user stuff, they make the phone you use, they make the washing machine you use. But essentially, all of these guys um, know tons and tons about 5G, and they announced something I mentioned last week, that the 5G cell phone will be out next year probably in the second quarter, so April to June next year. The 5G cell phone, which will be the new Galaxy S10 5G, will be available. It won't work in South Africa quite yet, but certainly many territories, certainly in in, in Korea, in some of the Far East territories, and America, the phone may actually start working. And we'll start seeing some of the benefits of that coming through. But, of course, the whole... um, AI, sort of smart machine intelligence, they also announced they've established seven global AI centers around the world. And the purpose of that is to find new ways to make things smarter. They also announced a brand new version of Bigsby. Now, Bigsby has not been one of my favorite uh, sort of – Bigsby's listening to me on my (laughs) Galaxy Note 9. (laughs) As I said that, it decided it's going to work really well. But anyway, Bigsby's an assistant that lives on my phone and on your Samsung phone, and it helps you get all sorts of tasks done with voice. Voice is a huge trend all over CS. Smart speakers, voice-activated everything is becoming a big deal. But Samsung are now putting Bigsby into everything, not just your smart TVs, but also into your refrigerators, into your washers, air conditioners, mobile devices, cars, you name it. And they decided, and this is pretty, makes pretty good sense, what they've done is they've simply said, look, it's one of many voice partners that you're going to get. So they teaming up with Google, they're teaming up with all the other players to make things really happen. Another major announcement that uh, Samsung unveiled, apart from their 98-inch, that's nearly 100-inch, that's 1.8 meters of QLED 8K TV, which they're adding to their lineup of of 2019 TV. So they'll start at 65-inch, they've got a 75-inch, 82-inch, 85-inch, and now a 98-inch TV with their new Quantum, the names, they love these names. But anyway, the new 8K processor. And I've seen the 8K TV already in prototype form, but now it's available. Will be on, well, it was on sale pretty much from September of this year, of 2018. But the big ones, the new ones, the brighter, shinier ones will be available pretty much everywhere in the next couple of months. And there's just no question that just when we started getting used to 4K, they're now talking 8K. And interestingly, the 8K, 
the 8K streaming product hasn't quite hit yet, but there is a little bit on Google. Um, Amazon have started trialing a little bit of 8K streaming. You need a serious Internet connection for that. Uh, something like 30, 40 megabits per second, which is pretty serious. And I have no doubt that Netflix already um, making movies in 8K, but will start streaming them during 2019. So the 8K revolution is happening even before the 4K revolution has taken over. And the real benefit of 8K, the real importance of 8K is simply the fact that TVs are going to get much, much much bigger. And the average, I mean, the entry-level TV is pretty much 65-inch. I was looking today, you can pick up a 65-inch good quality TV in the 11 to 15,000 rand range. A couple of years ago, it was in the 60 to 100,000 rand range. So we certainly are moving ahead and uh, getting there in terms of 8K. But so much more from Samsung, their family hub, their smart things, um, offering has got really even smarter. So everything's connected to everything. Everybody's doing, you know, interesting stuff. And we're seeing more and more of that happening from all the big guys. LG, of course, we can't, we can't do this without talking about LG. LG, traditionally, I don't know how they got this right. They're the first press conference at CES and they announced a couple of really, really interesting things. I'm a big fan of their OLED TVs. I think they're pretty incredible. But what they did, and this is the benefit of OLED, there is no, it is a very slim, emissive type product. So in other words, every dot on the screen actually emits light. So you don't need backlighting. You don't need a whole lot of stuff behind the screen. The screen is everything. And what they've perfected is a flexible plastic or a flexible way to present these screens to people. So what they showed off, which is pretty impressive, is their new rollable OLED TV. So what you get is a box. It looks like a little box with speakers on, so it could be a sound bar. And you hit a button and a 65-inch OLED TV unrolls from this box. So you can put your TV anywhere you want. You don't have these big blank screens. And the quality of the picture, a lot of people have said, how's it going to last? How's it going to be? The bottom line is LG guarantee the picture quality and the type of screen that they use is exactly the same quality <clears throat> as every other OLED TV that they sell. The only difference being is that you can hit a button and the TV rolls itself away. Uh, I've watched some some video of it. It's pretty impressive. And at the same time, what they've done is they've improved their LG, the, the OLED TVs for 2019. They've included much more smart TV features. So now you've got Google, you've got Amazon, you've got every possible way to interact with a TV. And, and the same as Samsung, as part of their whole think, uh, think, think IQ type, um, effort, Everything in the home connects to everything else in the home, connects to your smartphone. So you can actually tell when your fridge has no milk. In fact, the fridge can actually order it directly from Amazon without even discussing it. So things are getting pretty hectic around that. But apart from that, a whole new range of smart washing machines, smart fridges. They've even got something I haven't seen in South Africa, but it's got to come. They've got some smart cupboards where you put your clothes in and then they refresh them and they dry clean them and they remove all the smells and things like that. So stuff like that maybe is not a big deal in South Africa. We don't live in a very hot, humid or close environment for the most part, unless you're in Natal in February, but that's another story. But 
there's so many more smart things coming from these various companies that I cannot even begin to tell you. And one of the other things that I've seen at various shows, and they've replicated it at CES, is what they call the LG OLED Falls feature. And using the fact that their panels are flexible, they created a waterfall, a beach, a a huge, huge 60-meter tunnel where you can see the most amazing uh, quality pictures and moving show, which is pretty amazing, with waterfalls and deserts and oceans and light. It is just the most jaw-dropping, insane thing to see. So the bottom line here, the TVs are getting bigger. They're getting flexible. They're getting more, much higher resolution. LG also announced their new 8K TV, 88 inches of 8K goodness. It'll be a mere 200,000 rand. But, I mean, what's that between friends? If you've got to have the big one, you've got to pay the money. But, anyway, we'll be back. We're just going to have a quick ad break. And, as I promised you, we've got in the studio a very uh, fit-looking Mr. Moffat who is going to talk all about swimming and sharks, talking of beaches and oceans and OLED panels. So, you see, tech hangs together. It doesn't matter what you do, you land up getting involved in tech. And we'll be back straight after this. High FM Tech Talk with Stephen Ambrose. Stephen Ambrose. Well, welcome back. And welcome, Gavin. Welcome to Thank the you. studio. Thank you, Stephen. Thanks for joining me here, talking about some interesting stuff. Good timing, though. Over the holidays, I had time to read your book, which I actually did. Oh, fantastic. quite interesting and just so much info. I mean, we'll get to that. But so much there. But it's I can see it's going to be something that people will keep close just to check up what's going on down the road as they move on through their business. But just give us a little bit of insight. What What was your motivation? Why did you come up with this book? And, and where did the name come from? Because, I mean, I know it's a, it's a yeah. common terminology, yeah. but still… So the uh, I've been writing for a, a long time, and I, I finally sat down and, and figured out how long it actually is. Uh, I've been writing in some form or other uh, since 1988, and I've been writing for a variety of publications like you have over time. Um, and uh, three years ago, uh, my wife and business partner, Ingrid, said to me, so why don't you take some of the things that you've done over the last seven or eight years and put them together in, in a... Uh, a batch, uh, and I said to her, no, that's a terrible idea. And then okay. uh, half an hour later, stole her idea and said, you know what I should really do? But isn't that, isn't that just the best way to do it? That's well, what wives do for us. They make it think it's our idea. She, Meanwhile, said, uh, Ingrid, shout out to you. Ingrid was amazing. Yeah. yeah. So she came up with this idea and I thought that that's great, except for the fact that it, it wasn't something with a great golden thread that hung it all together. It was individual pieces. So I wrote a tremendous amount of content around that and, the idea was just to try and give a little piece of what I've experienced in the last 30 years in the way of business uh, and the world of marketing and the world of personal development and growth and try and put that into a really succinct, straightforward, no BS package uh, that people would easily be able to read and enjoy, and hence the book. Uh, it's it's like most books do. It's... Um, it's been through its ups and downs. At one stage, I actually put it to one side. I got a bad review from an editor who I had look at it and said it was you know, not appropriate. Uh, so it, it's it's gone through but its ups and downs. That's pretty and that's much the, the story of business. That's, that's the story of life in some ways. And so that's the important bit. I came back and did it anyway. And that, for me, is one of the key takeouts from Swimming with Sharks is – you're always going to have, first of all, naysayers. You're always going to have failures. 
things are always going to go wrong because that's the nature of the human condition. That's never, ever the point. The point is always get up, do it again. And have again. breakfast and exactly, move on. Exactly, exactly. Have your oats, you know, yeah. your steel cut rolled oats and, <laughs> and get on with it and do something else. Uh, so that was kind of it in a nutshell. And the swimming with sharks bit is, um, I love scuba diving and I've been a scuba diver for a number of years. And so the scuba diving analogy for me works really well. There are a set of checklists that you have in scuba diving and technical diving and they apply equally to scuba diving as they would do to business. And so that, I think it'd be a clear. great analogy. I mean, that's a thread you yeah. take. That, in a way, is almost the golden thread that, well, that keeps that is all the this stuff that's in the, the book thread. together. Indeed. Now, wouldn't it be great to have a simple checklist to everything? But do checklists, do you know, can, can that really universally apply? I mean, you do try to make that, that sort of connection in the book. But, I mean, in many ways, you know, they say that uh, plans are plans and what happens thereafter is a whole other story. And I think checklists work uh, where they're appropriate. And it's like everything else. How long is the piece of string? Well, I'm going to ask you 20 questions. I'll figure out how long the piece of string is or how long you want it to be. Then I'll give you a checklist. So, yes, there are checklists that work. And, I mean, the essential really simple checklist that I ended up with was um, an an eight-step checklist. And it's basically the sections of the book. And that's starting off with uh, know where you're going. Strategy, you know, know what you want out of your business. Simple question that I love to ask people is, how do you know when you've won? If you've got a business and you're trying to win every single, how do you know when you've won? When can you hold up the flag and go, I've done it. I've done it. And if you don't have that marker of success, you can't possibly measure whether you're succeeding or whether you're failing. You're just doing stuff. And so the book is divided into eight sections, which is essentially a checklist. But no, you're 100% right. Life is not a checklist. Not everything works on a checklist. But a set of questions that I use, so I call them the five W's and an H, who, how, what, where, why, when, those questions will always result in something actionable for you to be able to do. And that's something you should actually stick on your mirror in the morning while you're brushing your teeth or shaving or do whatever it is that you do as part of your morning ritual. Wouldn't it make sense to just look at those and think about those particular questions. So you wake up in the morning, you, you're shaving, you look at your mirror, and you go, what am I going to do today? So that's the what. Um, how am I going to achieve something successful today? Wh- whatever it is, you can ask these questions every day in a variety of situations that help inform you. The other part that's really important about this is we use a term in, in a new business we started last year called Hers and His. We use a term called Be Curious. Now, it's hashtag Be Curious. Cause, of hey, course it's a hashtag. We're in the age curious. of I mean, Thank you, Stephen. I mean, we're, how, in the age of <laughs> we're in the age of hashtags. We're in the age of hashtags. So it's hashtag Be Curious. And the reason we use that is because our work is around diversity and inclusion, we find that when people are curious, and curiosity most often shows up as asking questions, when you're asking questions, it's really difficult to be judgmental or nasty or not think. Curiosity and asking questions takes you to a different place. It's a really, really, um, really fine point. And you know that from a business yeah, point of absolutely. view. If, if you are curious and you're asking questions about a customer's business, or if you're saying about your own business, your own business, that curiosity allows you to have an open space to be able to develop your business strategy, for example, or your checklist. So. What We'll get to the takeaways a little bit later, but obviously, being a tech show, being my <laughs> focus around tech, there is a little chapter on on sort of the best tools to use sure. and the best ideas. Sure. But how critical is technology to this process going forward? I mean, your thoughts on that. How much can technology either help 
or hurt in the space? So you and I have been around long enough to, to go from a space of very little actual technology to, wow, way too much technology. <laughs> and so I, I used to be into every single piece of tech that came out. I used to watch everything that came from CES and all the other shows. I don't do that anymore. And the reason I don't do that is because tech is a means to an end. We now have so much technology available that its purpose is to do a job. That's all technology is for, for me. Um, lots of other people just like tech for tech's sake. Uh, I say nothing in that regard. No, 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 no. no. Not a word. That, I didn't point fingers <laughs> no, at all. And, and there is no webcam here, is there? Uh, I'm uh, not sure. Oh, is well, it, okay. Uh, well, I'm not, point, I'm not pointing is. at Steven. I have him on, on, on camera. So tech for tech's sake is, is pretty pointless for me. And well, I understand how yeah. other people just love it. And, but I'm, I'm 49. I'm not that interested in that stuff anymore. I look at tech, for example, the things you're talking about, about CS, and I go, so if they now have a product that does X, Y, and Z, how is that useful in other applications? How does that apply elsewhere? And examples of that are, um, so I was speaking earlier today to somebody from Farmers Weekly, and they were asking questions about, so how does a farmer use data to help improve customers coming to their homestay on their farm? Now, I mean, there's lots of ways you can do it, and that's a technology conversation. And now that we've got software as a service and all these other marvelous things that reduce the costs of technology, the answers to questions like that for a farmer are so much easier. In fact, my first response was, don't worry about data for right now. Just use TripAdvisor. TripAdvisor would be your main thing that you want to do. Absolutely. In a separate conversation. Or Airbnb or, or something Airbnb, like that. Yeah, absolutely. So I think that um, technology is uh, something that ties everything together. It's ubiquitous. But the conversation about technology is less important than it sits underneath as a layer. And what do I now do with that? I mean, you've seen it in terms of the growth of IoT. IoT has gone through the Gartner hype cycle. Oh, it's um, still fully in the oh, hype cycle oh, totally, right now. It, You'll it's, see. It's, it's everything we talk about this year, we're talking IoT and 5G and, and, and AI who, and, and all these buzzwords. You, I, I don't, as a normal person, I don't care. What I care about is when is that thing going to deliver something for me that's meaningful? So when is the first time that I can actually order milk from my fridge without touching a button? That's when it becomes meaningful. If anybody is ever going to order milk from their fridge well, without sad thing is certain territories it is actually yeah, happening. It is happening. But you're quite right. So mm. to simply chase tech for, for tech's sake is probably the worst business decision that anyone can make. It is totally the worst decision you can make. It's it's the bleeding edge versus anything else. And and but, that's okay if you, that's what you want to do. But it's very difficult to do business without it's, some form of, of solid tech sort of strategy it's going forward. It's impossible so these days. that's part of of what what the the how. It's part of the how. It's 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 practically impossible for anybody to be able to run a business without technology. Um, I was watching a um, an interview with a guy from a company that owns. I don't even know how you describe them. They're basically mini resorts for specifically designed for millennials to be able to go anywhere in the world to these resorts and to work and live. Yes, so yes, lifestyle yes, yes. resorts. The company's called yeah. Selena. Yes. Um, and so technology enables a brand new lifestyle where a million people a year could be doing their work from Costa Rica uh, for customers in Germany. That's all enabled by technology. So technology is – it's core to every business. But one of the questions that often gets posed in this context is that things are moving so quickly. How do we keep up? What do we do to to stay, to future-proof what we do? Maybe what I'm doing now is going to be obsolete tomorrow, never mind in 10 years' time. 
How do you? How do businesses so react to that? Can I ask you that? a question about yeah. that? How do you think you can future-proof your business's tech? No, no, no. You're the guy I'm asking oh, the you question. See, you don't want to I know. Sit, I can't answer camera, it. I'm going to point again. I can answer it, but it's not me who's talking. So, I, want, I want your view on it in the can't. context of what you do in the book. You can't. So I don't think that there is an ability to future-proof a business from a tech point of view. Future-proofing assumes that you will be protected from changes that come. That's not actually possible. What you can do is you can look at your business and you can look two to three years out with an understanding of what technology may be coming down the road. But that also depends on your business strategy and your adoption strategy when it comes to technology. How are you adopting? What are you adopting? Within what time frame? A lot of people wait for big companies to adopt technology first. When they do that, they see it safe, then they do it. That's uh, a really interesting point. So hmm. sometimes other companies do it the other way. Yeah. Sometimes it's easier to for a smaller guy to adopt something than the bigger guys. Right. So don't be scared of it. And you'll find that a lot of those software as a service models are being adopted by smaller companies sooner rather than bigger companies. And that's obviously a lot to do with cost because the software as a service can be a lot cheaper from a, uh, an operational perspective than otherwise. And one of the, I mean, I've got a really clear sense of something that I've known or rather come to know over the years is that in truth, the fundamentals of business haven't changed no. and still no. are not changing. No. You've got to know your customer. You've got to get your product in front of them. You've got to give them good service. You've got to look after the operation of your business really well. Mm. And all of that is very clear in the book. Would you say mm. that that's quite a key fundamental that underpins all this I think conversation? you're 100% right that the fundamentals of business haven't changed. If you have a look at Amazon when it started, whatever it was, 98, and now – Fundamentally, the business hasn't changed. It's about the right product to the customer with the best service at the right price. That hasn't changed. The delivery mechanisms may have. You may be getting it now via a drone if you're in certain territories. <laughs> um, but the fundamentals of the business haven't changed. And for me, that's a cornerstone of my book is around the fact that treating your customer the way you would want to be treated is – hasn't changed. It's the same. You have to understand that a customer wants something from you at the right price with the right experience to go with it. And how are you doing that? And that's whether you're a small business, so you're an entrepreneur type environment, or whether you're a, a large business like um, a retailer that shall remain unnamed that is currently receiving a lot of bad <laughs> press around some stuff that they may or may Absolutely. not have done. The, the, the rate at which Bad news travels now is Yeah, the amplification through greater. technology is insane. You've seen how many times is that story filling your timeline, either on Twitter or on Facebook, um, and it's cropping up on LinkedIn. So it's so easy for businesses to also not take advantage of all of these exponential uh, ways of I suppose it cuts both ways. It does cut both ways because this particular retailer uses those channels really well to communicate. Now they're receiving the opposite end. It must be said, though, that they're not new to this kind of situation. But coming back to the book itself, I mean, why would people want to read it? Let's let's get down to the bottom line. What is it? What is, is its value to the average guy who's either looking to go into business or is currently in his own life struggle with a business? So I, I started my first business and I was 23 and that one failed, I think, by the time I was 26 or 27. So I'm part of the life cycle that says I've built a business, I've lost a business, I've lost a shirt off my back, and I've built other businesses on top of that. So I think 
what I tried to do with the book was put 30 years worth of experience about how to run a business. Firstly, how to create one, how to look at it, how to test the strategy, how to grow it, um, how to look at people, how to look at technology within the business, how to promote that business. And then a layer on top of that is how, th- how should I ethically approach all these aspects around this business. And I try to put all of that from 30 years worth into the book. So I think it's lucky it's not twice the thickness. Well, you know, it, it's um, <laughs> one of the things I'm known for is brevity. And, oh, and cool. so this certainly reflects my brevity. Um, and I, th- I think that what people will get out of the book is something that is really simple to read, uh, uncomplicated. So what I tend to do is I tend to take complicated topics and shorten them, simplify to them, the point. make it so easy to understand because – Quite frankly, the complication is so that consultants can charge large amounts of money. For Careful no now. <laughs> and I am a consultant. Uh, I shall raise my hand go, in the air. There you go. But um, he's, he's a brief, sort of succinct, to the point fellow. Totally. And so, so the book is designed for people who want to understand all of these different aspects of a business, all wrapped up in something that is short, sharp, concise. And if I do say, written with a pretty good sense of humor. Uh, I have a great sense of humor. So I try, oh, that and, comes through. No I try and imbue that no into question. the words because life is too serious. I actually think there's no way. I mean, you, you often, often get caught up in the day-to-day and you, you lose sight of the big picture. Mm. And it becomes really difficult to see your way through mm. all this nonsense because mm. things can get on top of you, certainly in our really current environment. Mm-hmm. So I think there's some clear indications of that in the book. But now be, I can see it's amazing how time flies. But I'm watching. <laughs> it's incredible. But let's talk a little bit about you and your, as I said, tech show, tech talk. Mm. We need to talk about tech a little bit. What is your favorite personal gadget and um, thing that you're playing with right now? I see it's orange so, and it's so got this, a light. This, is, uh, this little device is the simplest device in the world, and it's called a Skyroam. Oh, yeah. And a Skyroam is a mobile data device that allows you to connect in 110 different countries around the world with no long-term contract. You can either do a day pass or you can do a month-to-month. And I've just used this traveling through three or four different countries. And it is as simple as you land, you turn it on, the eSIM registers on a local network, and you have Internet access. So previously, I'm sure you experienced this, when I go on Internet travels, I carry my own Wi-Fi, I land somewhere, buy a SIM card, put it in, buy the local data, and off I go, because you don't want to be using data any other way. And this device, I think the device costs $149. You get unlimited, so unlimited data for a month for $99. So just imagine traveling for three or four weeks, unlimited data, the equivalent of 1,400 Rand, whichever country you're going to go to because it's unlikely you'll be going to one of the 110 that's not listed. So this is my favorite tech gadget. That's really, it is the really simplest cool. Especially around. for any small business owner who can never be out of touch. That's okay, one of the just, consequences exactly, of tech. Exactly. You just cannot be out of touch. So as, as simple as that is, and people kind of go, uh, really? The answer is, if you travel, you'll get it instantly. You, you, uh, we ended up getting a, a, um, a layover in Doha, unfortunately, for 13 hours. Climb, nice. off the, climb off the plane, turn this device on, and it literally took four and a half minutes, and it was on the local network, and we were connected. So that's actually that's what you want. For me, it, it exemplifies technology, other than the fact that it's a really cool color. <laughs> so if you can't see, it's a gorgeous it's very orange. orange. It's a very gorgeous orange. orange. Um, it exemplifies technology. You want something that just works, 
Every time you turn it on, it just With no hassle and there's nothing. no setup, nothing. This, Wherever the, you go, it just this, does its thing. Exactly. You set it up once, and that's when you buy it. You buy your data, and then literally wherever you go, you just turn the button on, and you're away for a while. That 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 would be my. I think we've up. combined my two questions. What this is great for one? people. I said, what's your your coolest business related right. tech product? So, I think this does it for both. I think it actually does it for both. Um, my my greatest uh, tech product is probably more around. The search for trying to find um, artificial intelligence products for SMEs. I don't have one, but I've spent well, a good couple of months. Well, there aren't any. No. Not really. Uh, there aren't any simple-to-use ones. But, I've, I mean, we've got a bunch of clients who want to be able to take their data, do something with it. And at this stage, it's still still quite expensive. There's still an old-school tool called Excel. Excel. <laughs> and, and some of their data-crunching abilities have become absolutely insane. Everyone has to know an Excel expert because you can still do insane things with Excel. Well, there you go. It just shows you. So, I mean, it we're talking does. old school. When old we school. grew up, <laughs> there was something called Lotus 1, 2, 3. Lotus. You remember that? Lotus. The precursor to Excel. And it was rock solid, wasn't it? Lotus it never fell over. It did the job. Mm-hmm. So there you go. But um, anyway, thanks so much for coming in, Thank you. Gavin. Where can people get your book? That's the most important so thing. It's we'll available. talk about where you can get the, the Sky it's, Roman in a minute. Uh, it's available from exclusive books, uh, either directly in any exclusive books, and Scoobs, um, some CNAs, and also from a website called Our Books Direct, uh, as well as there's a Kindle version. Oh, uh, so, so basically, brilliant. if you so Google anywhere swimming you with want. sharks, it'll be there waiting for you. And it's just a great checklist and a great way to go ahead and uh, sort of future-proof your business or fix it if you need to, Thank you. need to or not. I must say, a lot of truisms, a lot of stuff you know, yes. but by reading it and having it in a structured format, it certainly gets your mind working and asking why. I think that's the most important w- why? question. Why am I getting up in the morning and doing this stuff? So, brilliant. Thanks so much for joining us. And where do you get the Sky You, you literally go to skyroam.com. That's it? Yeah. And they send it to you? Yeah, don't Google in an it. orange package. If you Google it, you will be followed around on the internet by adverts for Skyroam. <laughs> so, don't Google it. <laughs> the Skyroam. AI. Yes. Brilliant. Well, thanks for joining us, and we'll be back straight after this. Tech Talk with Stephen Ambrose, 11 to 12 p.m., only on 101.9 IFM. Well, welcome back. And... As usual, normally what I do is I talk about my favorite gadget, but I think I've just picked up a new favorite gadget called Skyroam. should be cool. Look, traveling and connectivity, it just shows how important it is. You cannot go anywhere without any some form of connectivity. And as we were discussing before, this interesting interlude into sharks and swimming and scuba diving and life as a business and business as a life, we're talking about what the madness and the insanity that's going on at CES. And I mean, CES is a really interesting show for lots of good reasons. One of the, the, the coolest aspects of CES is that the world we live in has made stuff so easy to be um, real that you arrive at a show and you walk down a corridor and you see 10 of the coolest gadgets you've ever seen in your life. The packaging, the marketing material, the quality of the goodie that you're touching. doesn't matter what it does, but the fact is it's all there and it's amazing. And then you ask this amazing question and it's called, so when will this be available? And then you get the story, well, in the spring. Now, remember that this is happening in America, so it's deep winter January. Spring is around about April. And what they're trying to tell you is that in the spring, Possibly if they get enough orders from some of the big guys and then they can quickly rush it into production. So 90% of the cool gadgets, the cool, they've got 
pet gadgets. They've got room gadgets. They've got talking toilets. You name it. They've got all these crazy, crazy, crazy gadgets that look amazing, and some of them are super clever, but 90% of them will probably never hit the market. But the stuff that does, and that's why I focus so much on the on the the big guys, the Samsungs, the LGs, the IBMs, these sort of people, because these guys announce really, in many cases, groundbreaking technologies. Now, unfortunately, as we've discussed on the show, and something that we're all coming to realize is that very little technology is standalone. Gavin was talking about finding AI for for consumers. Well, it's it's there. It's everywhere. And yet it's nowhere. It's not a technology that you can pop into the nearest incredible connection and say, hi, I want the latest AI gadget for my business. The guy will look at you like you just jumped off the nearest cliff. You've got to be nuts. The truth is that every single thing that you're buying is getting smarter. I mean, your smartphone has more computing power today than a two-year-old laptop, which is insane if you think about it. It's got a higher resolution screen. It's got more memory. It's got more processing power. And it's got more ability to do stuff than you could ever imagine in a, in a laptop that you're probably currently using, which is, is absolutely insane. And that's what... Um, CES about. That's what all this new technology is about. And one of the coolest things that I've been following for a while, I discussed it on the show a couple of months ago, is something from IBM. And this is a technology is, that is going to revolutionize everything. And it's essentially quantum computing. Now, quantum computing is a fundamental shift in the way that computing is done. The, the, the key underlying technology here is that a quantum bit or a qubit can be anything you want it to, it to be. And even more fundamentally, it can be a positive bit and a negative bit exactly at the same time in the same space. So theoretically, and that's just a quick intro to quantum physics, but the bottom line with quantum computing, it can compute at scale and in a way that no current computer can do it. Right now, your current Intel processor can take eight little bits, process them sequentially, come up with a solution, and it can do it so fast that it feels like magic. Well, the true magic's in quantum computing. It can do all of that in the time that the Intel processor is quietly getting warm. So... IBM have been working on this amongst other people. I know Alphabet and Google have been working on it as well. But what they launched at CES was their first fully integrated quantum computer in the most gorgeous, it looks like a piece of, piece of art designed by some Italian people who design uh, displays for museums. But the most gorgeous looking thing that you've ever seen and what it is is a fully functional Q system, as they call it, a fully functional quantum bit computer that businesses and research people can actually, actually use. So watch the space. IBM is not a name that you hear a lot of anymore. They were the big daddies of computing and technology in the, in, in the early days. But basically, they're going to actually set up a computational center for commercial clients in Poughkeepsie lovely name in New York, this year. So expect to hear more and more about quantum computers. And these computers will underpin all the other stuff that we've spoken about. And one of the first uh, sort of applications that they've been using it for, and this is just another crazy thing, completely nothing to do with technology other than who would imagine how much computing you need to predict the weather? How's that for an interesting one? And another thing that few people know is the weather channel. The weather channel app is owned by IBM. 
They bought it. They use it. And the reason why it makes so much sense is they actually need all this computing power to predict the weather. And they've launched at CES this year a new system called Graph, which is the Global High Resolution Atmospheric Forecasting System. And this is where big data gets really interesting. They use data from planes, planes that are flying around the world. All that data gets connected. Um, They can now predict thunderstorms as small, a local thunderstorm down to 13 meters. And that's brought a granularity to the – it used to be 12 to 13 square kilometers. They can now do it down to 13 meters. And that is using massive, massive, massive computing power. And you can check this out. Just go to um, uh, theweatherchannel.com or weather.com and have a look at what's going on. The resolution is absolutely mind-blowing. And all of this is being announced at a Consumer Electronics Show. There's a lot more from IBM, but that's just part of what they're doing. One of the other major manufacturers, as I can see, our time is absolutely running out. I'll get back to that straight after this. We've got a quick uh, ad break. Is Dell. Dell have got a whole new range of products that they're launching, both on the Alienware, which is their you know, their gaming stuff and all the normal XPS stuff that they sell to businesses and you and I. There's just so much new product coming from so many people. We'd need about 40 shows to do it. But we'll be back straight after this. Hi FM Tech Talk with Stephen Ambrose. Stephen Ambrose. Anyway, welcome back and back. Just to close out the show, back to gizmos, gadgets. And then I will give you one last little thing, something that happened to me. Unfortunately, we're back into the load shedding era. We're back into the story about power going on and off. And I'll talk a little bit about one thing that I think every home should have, and they're not terribly expensive, and that's a UPS. But we'll get to that, an uninterruptible power supply. We'll talk about that uh, straight after I've finished off with some of the gizmos and gadgets that are selling at CES. So, yes. Bigger TVs, there's definitely a trend. The 55-inch TV, interestingly, has now become entry-level. 65-inch TV has become mainstream. And if you want a big TV at 75 inches and above, and all of the manufacturers from Hisense to um, Sony to LG to Samsung are doing the same thing. They're all going big. They're all going super thin. LG are going super flexible. So we're going to see... 2019 is going to be the year of 4K and 8K high-resolution high TVs. And if you've got any form of fiber to the home, expect, uh, I highly suggest that you get an uncapped package because you're going to be using data like there's absolutely no tomorrow. An 8K stream is 30 gigabytes per hour, minimum, minimum. A 4K stream is around about 7.5 to 10 gigabytes an hour. So... Forget the data must fall. If you don't have uncapped, you're just not going to get involved in any of this good stuff going forward. But anyway, back to Dell. Dell had a massive uh, launch of all their new stuff, and they've completely redesigned their gaming portfolio. There's a brand new Alienware offering. And what's unbelievable is how far technology's come. Gaming rigs used to be these massive, huge power-hungry monsters with water cooling and you name it, um, that people had basically needed a, a trailer to lug around. And we're talking about this year. We're not talking about 10 years ago. We're talking about right now. But in the last couple of months and the last 
over the last six to eight months, we've seen the most amazing from Dell, from Asus, from a lot of manufacturers. Um, they've got the most incredible, powerful, slim, and and really good looking gaming laptop. So if you're in the in the sort of if you like to game for whatever it is, and yet you still have to run a business, uh, perhaps one of your sort of purchases would be a, a gaming laptop rather than a traditional laptop, and then you can do both. The only thing Gavin would concur is probably don't do both at the same time. You know, gaming and business sometimes don't work hand in hand. Uh, there's a school of thought that's saying gamification of everything's the way to go. But that's uh, another conversation for another time. So, there's a brand new range, the G5 and G7 laptops. They super slick, super, super slim. Go to dell.co.za or dell.com and you can check that out. And they also updated for me one of the coolest, um, laptops on the market right now, the XPS 13. It's one of those iconic. It came out in 2015, I think, originally, and it just became one of those things that most people can recognize, and it's certainly one of the nicest and, and available in South Africa. There are other models out there, but or other models from other companies out there, but in South Africa, the XPS 13 is probably the portable laptop for any serious you know, uh, road warrior. And they've just updated it and brought up the latest Intel processors. They've moved the camera. This was like the biggest gripe. The camera used to be at the bottom of the screen. So every time you use Skype, everyone could see up your nostrils, which is not such a clever way, or your chin. and Not cool. A lot of people didn't like that. They've now moved the camera. We won't go there, Gavin. Um, they now moved the camera back on top, updated it, 10 to 15-hour um battery life, and amazing screen. So check that all out, along with a whole new range of, of screens, a lot of new stuff coming from Dell. And what's even better is that we are going to see those products in South Africa in the next couple of months. The new XPS 13 will be available next next month, February, and all the new Latitude and Inspiron products will be will be launched probably April, May. So expect to see all these products. And as I open the show, the RAND hopefully will play ball and the prices won't go through the roof. But there's certainly a whole new range of um, monitors. OLED as well, that's that new emissive technology, is now becoming more and more um, prevalent in laptops. You're going to see them in their new Alienware notebooks. And the benefit of that, certainly for you gaming people out there, is unbelievably low latency no smear, and super sharp, and very, 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 very power efficient. So we're going to see a lot of that going on. Now, I will follow up. I'm being told it's wrap-up time. I will follow up with a couple more announcements as they come out of CES, both on my Tuesday show, uh, the Tuesday Tech Roundup next week and next week Thursday. But safe to say that, once again, CES is proving to be the hotbed of vaporware, stuff you'll never see, but cool concepts uh, like a, a, a toilet with with speakers and, and, and mood lighting because you've got to be in the mood to go to the loo these days. So other than that, um, a lot of news and info from CES. And the last thing I want to mention, something that we all spend a lot of money. We've probably got a big screen TV, a DSTV unit, um, a couple of other little things plugged into the back of our television set. And with load shedding and whatnot going on, it makes sense to go and get yourself a UPS. There are a lot of models out there. Go to Take A Lot. Go to all the various online platforms. Look for UPSs. You need a, one, a 650 VA to a 1.1 KVA unit between 
500 and 1,200 rand, and you'll thank me for this. Plug it in, plug all your stuff in. It won't give you much extra time if there is no power. But when power goes on and off, you often find that there's spikes on the line, it damages TVs, it damages electronic equipment, and it's always best to have it plugged into a unit like a UPS, which can take the strain for you. You don't mind buying a new 500 rand UPS, but a 50,000 rand TV that's on the fritz because ESCOM put the power on and off is definitely not the way to go. And on that note, thanks for joining me. Thanks for listening in, and we'll be back next week, same place, same time. This is Stephen Ambrose for Tech Talk on High FM.